0: I want to encourage you really to, if you're here, come on Sunday. We are going to celebrate on Sunday. It is the birth of the church. It is Pentecost Sunday. And we've got our own version of the London Community Gospel Choir uh, on Sunday. <laughs> that's, that's where they are. Okay, you can see them uh, by faith. Well, there's the microphones anyway. Okay, we've got some uh, choir that we've put together at at absolutely no expense Um, (laughs) um, and no notice. We haven't done it yet, but we will do it for Sunday and it's going to be amazing because we want to celebrate the church and celebrate what God's done and what God's doing. And and our series over the next few uh, weeks is all in because we believe that as God said at the start of the year, enter in. If you're going to enter in, you've got to go all in. And uh, all in is a poker term, a gambling term, okay, about pushing everything on the table and saying we're going all in. And uh, I'm going to say how many of you are up for that, but you might not be quite so sure. But the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what it means as a church to go all in. And as we look at the early church and how they went all in and how they changed the world, only a church that goes all in is going to make any real impact. Only when you go all into who God is, only when you let God come all into you, can we really make an impact on the world. And as part of that, over the next three months, we're going to spend a little time thinking from the word of God and then experiencing the Holy Spirit. If I was to say to you tonight, what would I be saying? Say it louder. Name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Some of you thought I was speaking in tongues then, didn't you? But that is Latin for the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I think when it comes to understanding God and the dimension of God, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the reality is most of us have an understanding of the Father part, don't we? You know, because we understand that. Whether you've had a good experience of a father or a bad experience, we get that and we sing that song that we've lear- we're learning at the moment, you know, good, good Father. And I think when we think about God the Father, we think about God being on the stage, being distant, being separated, being above us, being beyond us. But we get it, don't we? We get that the Father is there. He's kind of up there, out there. And we get that. And then when we talk about the Spirit, the Son, God steps off the stage and He walks amongst us, the Bible says. And the Bible says we saw Him and we beheld Him and He was like one of us. And he sat with us and he had breakfast with us and he cooked us breakfast and we could touch him and we could see him. But then Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away and leave you. That's what he said to his disciples, isn't it? I thought, what? I'd have said, no, it's not. <laughs> Stay here. You know, It's a little bit like that thing when you say to your kids, you know, now I'm going to punish you and it's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Yeah, right. Of course it is. I remember being punished by my dad when I was a very naughty boy a long time ago. uh, A very, very long time ago. The only one time, uh, really. Not that I was naughty, but that he punished me. And he said, this is going to hurt me more than it hurt you. Let me tell you, it hurt me more than it hurt him. Okay? But that whole thing, it's better for you that I go away. And so Jesus then disappears and Jesus kind of goes on the stage or up there. But then he sends the Holy Spirit. And where Jesus walked amongst us and we could see him, Uh, But then he went, the Holy Spirit is everywhere at all times. So God is no longer on the stage beyond us. He's not just walking amongst us where one can see him or two can see him or a crowd can see him. But God, the Spirit, is everywhere at all times. That's amazing, isn't it? And I I want us to have a look at this because I know that many of you, you'll know this and you'll get this. But for some of you, you're newer into this whole thing called Christianity. And some of this stuff will be brand new for you tonight. You see, I want us to clear up some misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been always present throughout the whole of eternity and time. Okay, And even before that. Throughout the whole of the Bible, the Holy Spirit has been present. He was there at the beginning, molding creation into shape, influencing nature and history, revealing who God was to people, coming into people's lives and on people's lives at certain times, at certain moments. The Holy Spirit has always been here on the earth, He's always been moving in people's hearts. The Holy Spirit is not an it, He's a He. That doesn't mean he's male. It just means that there is a personality around the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a force to be used by us like Obi-Wan Kenobi type thing. Okay, He's not a lightsaber. The Holy Spirit is not weird. He does some strange things, but he's not weird. People are weird. The Holy Spirit is not. The Holy Spirit is not someone to be afraid of. When I was... um. Uh, 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 when I was a, I was going to say—when I was a Christian, when I was a new Christian, yeah, I've moved on from that. No, I'm joking. Uh, when I was when I was a new Christian, I was brought up in the Salvation Army, of which I really thank God for. That's my roots. That's my upbringing, uh, and I'm not speaking badly of it at all. But when I was growing up as a kid, we never used to talk or hear any talks, to be honest, or any teaching about the Holy Spirit. And when we came to the Book of Corinthians, you know, that we we we'd looked at certain chapters and then we jumped a chapter, and then we looked at another chapter. And as a kid, I used to think, what's up with that chapter? And then I read it, and this whole thing about the Holy Spirit, and it was like, ooh, okay. And and so for me, growing up in that, the Holy Spirit was really mysterious. He or it, as I thought then, was really out there, okay? Something to not quite understand. And maybe for some of you, maybe that's been your background and your experience as well. But the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Jesus within us and then through us to the world. To reveal Jesus to us and so that we become more like Christ by his work within us and then reveal who Jesus is through us to the world. And how does he do that? He does that by bringing the key ingredient that Jesus spoke about so much while he was on the earth and that's life. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Spiritual life is not about what we do. It's about receiving the power and the life of God by His Spirit to become like Him. It's not how hard we try. It's how hard we surrender to Him and how we let Him do what He wants to do in our life. God's goal is that we flourish in life. Psalm 92 verse 12 says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will will still bear fruit in old age. Amen. They will stay fresh and green. Some fresh ones out there tonight. You know, my, my wife, Alison, on the front, I would say was, but she is still a nurse. She's a nurse lecturer. And, whenever, and my son is a nurse. Uh, he is a nurse in A&E, in children's, the Children's Hospital in Birmingham. So when, and then his girlfriend now is also a nurse. So if she's around and we're all watching ER or Grey's Anatomy or one of these programs, okay, they're all diagnosing things as soon as things happen on the screen. And I'm like, ah, do you know that? And she's always right. It's really annoying. She's not always right about everything, but she is always right about these things. But there is something called FTT, which means failure to thrive. It's a diagnosis. It's like you're meant to thrive. You're meant to flourish. And there can be times in our lives where we fail to do that. Psychologists say it's the largest mental health problem of our day, not depression or anxiety, but FTT, failure to thrive, languishing. And uh, I want to say that the Holy Spirit brings life into us. That's what he's about. He wants to reveal Jesus to us. He wants to reveal Jesus in us and he wants to reveal Jesus through us. And what I want to do tonight and over the next couple of months is to look at six symbols in the Bible for the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at two tonight. Then we're going to look at one next month, and then we might look at three on the last one, okay? Or something like that. We're going to mix it up a little bit. We're going to look at two tonight. And these symbols are all metaphors or pictures which kind of describe what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. And I'm hoping that this background and and foundation of teaching will then really help us to experience that which we're teaching about, okay? Because we're not just going to have it all in our head. We want to have it in our heart and in our life and in our experience. I'm desperate for that, aren't you? I'm desperate for more of God's presence in my life. You know, I'll just go off script a minute. When when I was uh, in the Salvation Army and and we were in our late teens and I really gave my life to Jesus when I was 15 and a half. Uh, I knew a lot before then and I loved church. I've always loved church, but I loved church without loving Jesus. Okay, And at 15 and a half, I started to really love Jesus. And so it all came together. And then when I was 17, 18, 19, 20, in those years, um, that's when we were suddenly exposed to the Holy Spirit, to charismatic worship, to, to the moving of the Spirit, to gifts of the Spirit, etc., etc. And I was desperate for more of God. But I had so many hang-ups with speaking in tongues. I can't tell you how many hangups I had with speaking in tongues. Alison will tell you because she will remember that. It's a long time ago now. (laughs) And, And she spoke in tongues much easier, I think, than I did. And I can remember being up late at night on my own and saying, come on, God, come on, God, I want to speak in tongues. I see it in the Bible. I want to do it. And I can remember, and it seems crazy, opening my mouth saying, come on, God. And expecting God to come and grab my tongue and shake it. And, and I went into all kinds of like craziness because I was so desperate for God. And, and I want to say to you, if you're hungry for God, you'll be filled. If you want God, He'll meet you and He'll fill you. It doesn't have to be like everybody else's experience. You do not have to fall over to be touched by God. You do not have to shake, rattle or roll to be touched by God. You do not have to make any weird noises to be touched by God. But if you're hungry, you will be filled. You will be. Because God is a good, good father. And he only gives good, good gifts to his kids. And so there are six symbols, or the six symbols that we're going to look at. There are a few others as well. But these are the six main ones uh, that describe the, the Holy Spirit. And they appear in one sense to be a little bit opposite because you get fire and water oil and water, fire and peace. So they seem a little bit opposite. But we're going to look tonight at two of them. The first one is wind or breath. And we looked at this at the last encounter way back in March. And we looked at that phrase, in the doldrums. Anyone remember that? And we looked at this phrase, in the doldrums. It's a term describing uh, feeling flat. And we've, 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 all, we've all felt flat. And maybe tonight you do. We felt listless. We felt fed up. And it's a term taken from the world of sailing where in a certain part of the, uh, of the, of the earth, in bit, around the equator, there are these bits where there's an intertropical convergence zone. And basically it creates this kind of uh, tunnel almost where there's no wind. And sailors fear that more than the Bermuda Triangle. Because once a sailing ship gets into that space, years ago when it was all sail ships, they're in trouble because they're going nowhere because they're in the doldrums. And that's where we get that turn from. And we taught in, in um, March that, that you know, when your ship gets caught in the doldrums, you're going nowhere and you are desperate for a breath of fresh air. That's one of the beautiful things that the Holy Spirit brings into our life is a breath of fresh air. How many marriages could do with a breath of fresh air? How many families could do with a breath of fresh air? How many Christians could do with a breath of fresh air? That's what God brings and I want you to think about two boats for a moment. We think about a rowing boat and I want you to think about a sailing boat, okay? A rowing boat, you will get there, but you will be shattered. A sailing boat, you have still got to do some work. You've got to put your sails up, but you will get there and you'll be refreshed. Yeah? You've still got to do work in both, but the difference between putting the sails up and letting the wind take you or doing it all yourself, is immeasurably. And actually, when it comes to things of the Spirit, if you're only in a rowing boat, you might think you'll get in there, but actually you're not going to, because it's only under your own steam, on your own, your own effort. And then there's another picture in the Bible, which is important about breath. And this is in Ezekiel 37, where there's that valley of dry bones. And, uh, and God says to the prophet, can these bones live? Which is one of his annoying rhetorical questions, because <laughs> of course the answer is yes. And the bones were languishing. There was a failure to thrive because these bones were the bones of people uh, and nothing was happening. There's no life. And when, when Ezekiel prophesied and the breath came, then those bones knitted together and the Bible says they stood up a vast army. That's how we're meant to be, isn't it? As Christians, we're meant to be a vast army. And I want to just say before we look at the, I want to look at the second uh, uh, picture a little bit more tonight. For me, this whole concept of the spirit and breath is a little bit like how we actually naturally breathe. How do you naturally breathe? In through your nose nose and out through your mouth. That's good. You breathe in and you breathe out, don't you? And you see, when uh, when you breathe in, you breathe in oxygen. And our lungs process the oxygen into our bloodstream, which attaches to hemoglobin, red blood cells. A lot of doctors in the house. Move on quick. And carried around our body, bringing life, vitality and transformation. But in order for this to work... We have to breathe out as well because we've got some carbon dioxide, which is toxic. And we've got to get rid of that in order to get the good stuff in. And actually, when it comes to things of the spirit, my experience, and I think from the word of God is this, that we need to do the same. We need to breathe out some stuff that's toxic, that's not doing us any good, that's not helping us to thrive or to flourish. We need to breathe some of it out so that we can breathe some of the good stuff in. Just for a moment, just close your eyes. And just with me, let's just breathe out. Then let's breathe in. Jesus, I pray tonight that maybe there's some of us and we are really right now holding within us some toxic air. God, maybe there's some hurt or there's some bitterness. Maybe there's some pain which is so toxic. And we're in the doldrums, God, because we can't breathe in any of your air, the life that you promise us because we are so full of what's toxic. God, I pray that even tonight we begin to breathe out and we begin to breathe in. We begin to let go of some of that anxiety, let go of some of that bitterness, let go of some of that fear, let go of some of that hate or pride or envy and we begin to breathe in the air and the life and the breath, the breath, that fresh breath, the breath of fresh air that you promise. Lord, we breathe in you. And we breathe out all that junk in Jesus' name. Amen. Second symbol, and this is the one we're going to look at, and then we're going to head into time of seeing what God wants to do, is water. Is water. Jesus says in, it says in, in John 7, verse 37 to 39, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So that's an interesting thing. Let me stop there. So some believed in him, but later they were to receive the Spirit. Now there's almost like two things going on there. Now let me clear that up. For some Christians, it happens at the same time, that they believe in God and receive the Spirit at the same moment. For some, it can be, almost at the same moment, like two spoons that you put down, like that. Okay. For some, it can be that you believe in him and they say, therefore, the Spirit is at work within you, because you cannot believe in God without the Holy Spirit revealing that to you. So the Spirit is at work within you, but receiving the Spirit, as it says here, can come at a later date, like it did for me. Many, In fact, about five or six years after I put my trust in Christ and received Christ by the Spirit, Five or six years later was when I received what we call the baptism of the Spirit. By this, he meant the Spirit with whom, with whose, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And as Jesus is talking about this, "Come to me and drink." Very powerful scene because this kind of feast um, there would have been a big. Uh, pitch a big jar of water. The priest would be pouring this water and, and, and they'd be celebrating and all this stuff would be going on. And in that, in that situation, Jesus stands up and says, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. You can see this physical water being poured in front of you, but what's really going to satisfy your thirst is not physical water, but spiritual water. And I want to say, you know, passion You know, one of the things about um, the Holy Spirit is fire. And we are going to look at the fire uh, uh, coming up. But passion without refreshing brings weariness, doesn't it? But refreshing without passion brings selfishness. And so actually the fire that is there to, to, to cause us to be powerful and to witness also needs the balance of the water. Because passion without refreshing brings weariness. And when Jesus said, you know, when you receive this water, it's like um, you're going to receive it within you. It's going to be within you. And um, the word that's used there literally means belly. And it's the deepest place inside of you, the place where you maybe get anxious or afraid, where you feel hollow, empty or disappointed. The Greek word is koelia, which is where we get the word colitis from. We get many uh, conditions in that part of the body. You know, scientists speak of a reptile brain, a brain in the gut almost, a system that produces a feeling of well-being or a threat that is deeper than what you can put into words. You know that sense where he says, I can feel it in my gut. Sense right in the deepest part of you. Jesus says, that's where streams of living water are going to flow. Right in the deepest part. Not here, necessarily, you know, but at a much deeper part of who you are. You know, which is on um, Sunday night on our table and talking about reason for believing. Mark Green was talking about suffering on Sunday night. We had a blast on Sunday. I talked about sadness in the morning and Mark talked about suffering in the night. We did it all in one go. Um, But we were talking about people who we know who've had incredible suffering and sadness and yet love Jesus passionately. And I talked on the table about my friend Eleanor, whom some of you will know of, because I've talked about her many times. Her husband was murdered six years ago uh, you know, in the blood feud in Albania. And, and all of this stuff and how she can passionately love Jesus in the midst of that and forgive those who've killed her husband. That's because the Spirit of God is at work deep within her, in the gut. Deep on the inside, that even though these are incredible things that have happened, really painful things, there are streams of living water within you. That's amazing, isn't it? And you know what happens, I think, when we become a Christian and uh, we say yes to God, and, and many of us hopefully have said that, and maybe you haven't yet, but you know, when you say yes to God, everything's great for a while, isn't it? I was talking with some ministers only this week, and we're talking about these stories, and I'm like, Really? That's happening to you as well. I thought that was only our church where people become a Christian, they get hungry for God, they get baptized six to eight to nine months later, you don't know where they are. And as we were talking about this, you know, other, that's exactly what's happening with us. And then someone else was saying, that's exactly what's happening with us. That's because it's a human situation, isn't it? You say yes to God, and you give your life to Jesus, and you get filled with, and the Spirit is is at work within you, and you get baptized. But then six to eight to nine months or twelve months later, life is hard, and you began in the Spirit, but you're trying to carry on. Paul says in the flesh. So you began with your sails up, and now you're trying to row. You began with your sails up, and now you're trying to row really hard. Progress stalls instead of um, life flowing rivers within you. We start yelling at the kids that we love. We start worrying too much. We can't be bothered to come to church and worship and prayer becomes a drudgery and we begin to get jealous and judge and sin. And then what we do is we get stuck in what I call the gap management cycle. And the gap management cycle is literally this. We try harder when we're feeling empty. Then we get tired. Then we quit. Then we feel guilty. Then we try harder again. Does anyone identify with that? So we feel empty, and so we try harder, but we get tired. Then we quit. Then we feel guilty, so we try harder again. And Jesus says, come to me. Come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. Let the streams of living water flow within you, deep in your gut. You know, self-improvement is no more God's plan than self-salvation. Self-sanctification, trying to work harder, is no more God's plan than self-salvation. We need to ask for the flow of God's river to refresh us. Anytime you see life flourishing, it is always receiving nourishment from beyond itself. I'll say that again. Anytime you see life flourishing, it is always receiving nourishment from beyond itself. When I'm flourishing as a Christian, it isn't because I'm trying harder. And trying is important. It's because I'm receiving life from God. And that's the same for you, isn't it? You know, I love this. Um, I won't go there. Two go. So I think we have two challenges and we're going to head towards response in a moment. Some of us, and I know this has been true of me have well issues. And by well issues, I mean there's like, there's like a well within us, okay, of water, and it's been filled in. In the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis 26, there's a great story there in verse 18 where it says, Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines, the enemy, had stopped up. It's like Abraham had dug these wells and this was a source of life giving water. But then in the next generation, the enemy had come in, circumstances had come in, life had come in and the wells had been dug up. What what Isaac did is he reopened the wells. And for some of us, we had a well, we had a connection with God, but circumstances or situations have filled it up and we need to reopen that well. Some of us have well issues. But I want to suggest for many of us, we don't have well issues, we have dam issues. And I mean D-A-M, not the other version. We have dam issues. Something is blocking up the river of God's Spirit. Maybe it's a teaching issue. It was for me. I need to get it clear in my head and to get some teaching in on what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And you know that in in the book of Acts, if you read through Acts, um, the, the disciples met some people who'd received John's baptism, but who hadn't received the baptism in the Spirit. They had never heard of it. They needed some teaching issue. So maybe for you, it's a teaching issue. Maybe it's a sin issue. You know, I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, oh, I don't feel close to God and and, and I I feel empty and I feel dry. And when you dig a little bit longer, a little bit more, you realize that there's something in their life which they know is a sin. And what that does, because the Holy Spirit, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is the most sensitive person you could ever meet. In other words, he He can come in Okay, And it can be really powerful and you can know it and he can leave like that because he's so sensitive. And the Bible talks a lot about grieving and don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And maybe, and maybe there's a sin issue and you're feeling empty as a Christian because actually there's something in your life which you know, you know is not right. And all the prayer in the world ain't going to move it. Because unless you deal with the sin issue, that's like a dam to the river of God. Maybe for some of you, it's a hurt issue. When you're hurt, it causes you to withdraw from being open or vulnerable. Maybe it's a fear issue. It's what Jesus taught in the book of Luke about the father that wants to give the son good gifts. Because don't be fearful of the father and the spirit because it's a good thing. You know, your earthly father would give you good things. How much more our heavenly father, who's a good, good father, would want to give you good gifts? Maybe it's a trust issue. You know, I think for me, because I'm quite a thinking, cognitive person in, in many ways. And I think for me, when I was in my teenage years and the whole thing with the Holy Spirit, I was like, and then when I started to speak in tongues, I thought, but I, underst- I, I, I can control that. And I, can, and I was trying to work it all out. And for me, I had to let go. I had to let go. I had to surrender control. And it was a trust issue. Larry Bouquet, a uh, writer that's made this great statement, really means a lot to me at the moment. He said this, My greatest fear in life is standing before the Lord one day, and he's saying, I had so much more for you, but you held on too tightly. My greatest fear is standing before the Lord, and him saying, I had so much more for you, but you held on too tightly. So maybe for you tonight, it's a trust issue. So I want to ask the band if they'll come back up and, and maybe maybe as we go into a time of response and worship and prayer, and I don't know what we're going to do. We'll see what God wants to do. But maybe there are some of us here and you're saying, do you know what? I'm failing to thrive right now. I'm failing to thrive. Maybe for you, you need to breathe out so you can breathe in. Or maybe for you, you need to come to the one who's invited you to come, who said, come to me if you're thirsty and drink. And from within you, deep within your gut, streams of living water will begin to flow. Maybe for some of you, you've, you've got a well issue where it was there and it was life-giving, but it's been filled up. It's been dug up and maybe it's been a long time. Maybe you need to reopen that. Or maybe for you, you've got a damn issue where there's like a blockage. Maybe it's teaching. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's hurt. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's trust. So you've got to do something. But God's invitation to you tonight is to come. Is to come and to drink of Him. Let's stand together. Jesus, we love you, Lord. I want to just invite you tonight to, in the space and time now that we've got, we haven't planned anything. We are just open to the Spirit and what He wants to do tonight. And All I say to you is let's open to Him and let's surrender to Him. You know, one of the things that I find really helpful, and and I said on Sunday in the story of Hannah, Hannah changed her posture. She stood up. One of the things I find really helpful is just opening my hands because actually, when you open your hands, it's like a, you know, if you feel defensive or you feel fearful, it's harder to feel like that when your hands are open. It causes you to feel a little bit more vulnerable, maybe, but maybe that's what we need. So I want to invite you tonight, maybe just to open your hands as a physical sign of wanting to open to the Spirit of God. Jesus. Holy Spirit, we, we just really invite you now to move amongst us tonight. God, where, where there is hurt, where there is pain, where there's disappointment, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd breathe your life. Pray that you'd pour your water. Pray, God, that you would fill us again. Deep on the inside, deep in our gut, Lord, I pray that you'd fill us. We surrender. We open to you. We open our hearts We open our lives to you, Lord Jesus. 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 Maybe there's some of you tonight and you you say, do you know what, Leon? I, I do believe in Jesus, but I don't know whether I've ever had that experience that you talked about. I don't know whether I've had that experience of being filled with the Spirit. We would love to pray for you tonight. Maybe maybe you, you know that you have a well issue or a, or a dam issue. We would love to pray for you tonight as well. So all I'm going to ask very simply is that as we begin to sing and worship Jesus, if any of you would like someone to pray for you, I'm going to ask that you just come and stand at the front and we'll pray for you, okay? whether this is new for you or whether this is old for you and it needs to become new again for you, then I'm going to ask you to respond to him. And so I'm going to invite you to come. And then people in the team here uh, would love to pray for you tonight. So Jesus, as we respond to you, God, we, we ask that by your spirit, you would encounter us, Lord, please, in Jesus' name.